discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you love Jesus? Love Jesus. Wow. Is Jesus not wonderful? So wonderful. Do you love Jesus? I love Jesus. The more, you see, the more you know how much he has loved you, the more you can love him. You can be a Christian and genuinely not have love for Christ. Genuinely. Just be honest with yourself. Genuinely. And the solution is that you, you need to understand his love for you. That's the solution. When you get to understand his love for you, then you can love him properly our our love for him is hinged on our understanding of his love for us what did he what what was the expression of his love first john chapter 4 verse 10 look at first john 4 10 in this is love hearing is love not that we love god god knows that you that you don't don't really i mean to be honest with you i mean be honest with yourself. You don't really. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Yes. He. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for us. You know, we're going to understand propitiation. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it for our sins. Now, drop down to verse 19. Same book, same chapter, verse 19. Can you, can you read this to me? One, two, go. Read it again. Have you seen it? So our love for him is based and hinged on our understanding of the fact that he first loved us. The more you understand how much he has, he has loved you, the more you can love him. Hallelujah. So I pray for grace for you to understand Jesus' love for you more and more and more and more. What, what extent did he go to because of you? If you were the only one here on earth, he would still have come to come and die for you. Yes. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing reality. Oh, hallelujah. What a blessing. Let's pray and then I'll share some things with you. Father, thank you for this morning once again. We are grateful. We are thankful. We are grateful. We are thankful. Speak to us, Lord. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Jesus this morning in a very special way. Help us understand your word. Bring clarity to the sacrifice of your son on the cross for us. That great expression of love for us. Thank you. We receive your word with, with meekness, with gladness, with great joy. Knowing that 
it is our means of real change, our means of real development, and our means of real growth. Thank you. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can give your neighbor a high five and then take your seat. Wow, what a blessing. When you come to church, learn to enjoy your neighbor, okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I will enjoy you today. I will enjoy you today, fully. Wow. What a blessing. What a blessing. So I'm still sharing on the reality of, the, of all debts paid and cancelled. Okay? All debts what? Paid and cancelled. Today I'm sharing on redemption, the reality of redemption. The reality of what? Redemption. The reality of redemption. Redemption. So you can just title it The Reality of All Death Speed and Cancelled Part 3. Because redemption is, is still death speed. So all that I've been saying is actually redemption. Okay, but today I'll focus a bit on the word redemption and try and explain it to us. For us to have an understanding concerning it. Let's start from John chapter 12, verse 31. John 12, 31. Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. You know, Jesus was, had, had been um, having a meeting and one of his disciples, Philip, Andrew and Philip came to him because some people from Greece had come to come and see Jesus. Okay, if you read from verse, um, verse 24, look at 24. Okay, go back. Let's read verse 21 so that we can understand even some more. Ah, verse 20. He says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. So these guys are from Greece. They came all the way from Greece to come, Greece to come and worship at Jerusalem. And when they came, they decided to have a meeting with Jesus. So next verse, it says, These guys came, the same came therefore to Philip. They came to Philip. Philip was their go-to person. Sorry, but Philip was their go-to person. <laughs> Which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Say, we will see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. Can we see Jesus? All assistants must be like Philip and must be like Andrew. All what? Must be like who? Philip and must be like Andrew. He says, Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. So Philip came to tell Andrew, Charlie, these guys have come from Greece to come and see Jesus. And again, Andrew and Philip together told Jesus that, you know, some people have come from Greece to come and see Jesus. There can, you can be a bad assistant. One of the ways of being a bad assistant is to prevent people from seeing your master. Yeah? If you prevent people from seeing your master, you're a bad assistant. Okay? A pastor must be wise to expose the people who are under him to see 
and meet his pastor. He must expose his people to his pastor. Don't be an assistant that blocks the door. Jesus rebuked them, the disciples, because they were blocking the children from coming to him. He saw it. He saw them blocking him. Hey, go, go away. Go, go, go away. He said, hey, my, my people, what's up? Jesus was not happy with them at all. Allow the little children to come unto me. He says, their angels see the Lord's face all the time. Please, let them come. You can have an assistant who blocks people. Eh? What I just said is Matthew 19. Go up. Let, let's, let's go up to verse 13. He says, Then were brought unto him, unto Jesus, little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. Hey. Jesus' assistants, though, those who are closest to Jesus, were rebuking the little children and their parents. Go, go, go back, go back, go back. Hey, 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 hey. It's the protocol. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Protopy. Uh, Pastor Kobe's daughter calls, says proto- protocol, Propotel. Propotel. I say. Propotel. It's a word. And then she also says, Episcopal sister, she says, Etistopal sister. <laughs> That's it. That's it. A chistable sister. I just enjoy her, you know. One day she came to my house. Sometimes she comes to spend time with, with us. She came to my house and she was worrying me. Ah, worrying me up and down, jump here, jump there, jump here, jump there. I said, hey, why? Why are you worrying me like that? They said, ah, but you are my grandfather. <laughs> are you not my grandfather? Yeah, but you are my grandfather. I said, I'm sorry. Continue, proceed. Hey. I say, I love you, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. Allow the little children to come to Jesus. Allow the little children to come around. Why you, why you don't like little children? What's wrong with you? Ask me, but you don't like little children. What's wrong with you? There's even this culture where people, where some people say, hey, children are some way they don't want to have children. There's something wrong with you, brother. There's something wrong with you, sister. You were once a child. Once a child. Please, I beg you. It's a demonic statement. It's not a good thing to say. I don't like children. So I don't want to have children. And so whoever is coming to propose to you must understand that you don't like children. (laughs) Yeah, what are you talking about? You have to give birth. Hey. Yes, I saw um, someone who was a... who was a, a lesbian, you know, and she was changing to become a man. She had been on testosterone for two years, you know, and when you see, she showed her picture, when you see her pictures, you become masculine and everything, you know, she was growing a beard and all of that. But she had changed. She had become a girl once again. And she was sharing her testimony. She said she had a vision. God showed her a vision. God is nice, no matter where you are, God, you see, the love of God reaches is for sinners. Oh, yeah. That's why we shouldn't suck anybody from the church. Oh, yeah. We must allow everybody to come in to hear the word. We must expose everybody to the word. She said that God showed her vision and she saw a man and a woman 
And God showed their generations. They had children, their children had children, children, and all of that going. Plenty of people were under them. Then he, she saw a man and a man together, and a man and a, a woman and a woman together. And there was nothing underneath them. There was no one underneath them. It's a vision she saw. No one underneath them. And God spoke to her in a dream. That I destined for man and woman to marry and procreate so that they can continue sharing the gospel of my son Jesus Christ and reach the world with my gospel. But the devil has decided and is fighting against you and your generations to cut you off and cut off my plan, which is what he has done from the beginning of man's history in this world. When she woke up, she changed. She went to church. She went to church. She got born again. She's now a wild, solid Christian because of the vision she had. Yes. The children, are, they are God's design. They are God's plan. You see, yes. you were once a child. If your parents had decided not to let you act, allow you to come, there have been a problem. You see, huh. so allow the children to come. Tell me, but allow the children to come to Jesus. Tell me, but if you are an assistant, allow allow people to come to Jesus. Allow people to come to your pastor. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is it a good point? Very good point. If you allow people to come close, for instance, I'm, I'm the pastor of the church. You don't even need to say yes. I, ah, I'm the pastor of the church. You must allow people to come. All those who are around me, you must allow people to come close. You must introduce people and introduce them once, twice, thrice, four times, all the time, so that I get to know their name. Come and say hi. It's important, though. That's how we get to know people. And that's how we get to find what is in people. And then, you never, some, sometimes a person is a missionary. And a person will be a great pastor somewhere. I will, I will never know if you don't introduce them to me. Or you don't understand my message. Yes. You will never, you never know. You need to introduce. introduce. If you're a branch pastor and you're watching what I'm sharing, introduce people in your branch to me. Don't block them. You see, Bishop is busy. Bishop, what am I doing? What am I doing? Ask your neighbor, what is Bishop doing? He's so busy. Yeah, hey, I'm not busy. Do I look busy to you? No. Ah. <laughs> you must allow. It's important. I wish I was talking to Brian, but I would have spoken a bit more. Yes, you must allow. You must allow people. Introduce. Philip and Andrew introduced the Grecians to Jesus. They introduced the Grecians to Jesus. And it's it brought one of the greatest statements from Jesus. One of the greatest statements from Jesus came into existence as a result of this introduction that Philip and Andrew were, you know, making to Jesus. So they came to Jesus, told Jesus that, Charlie, these guys want to see you. And then Jesus said, ah, how I, how, how, oh, it's painting me that someone has to travel all the, because the question they asked Jesus, they asked Jesus, Jesus, go back, please. They said, then, this is verse 21, they said to Jesus, Sir, we will see Jesus. Next verse, verse 22. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew and Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus that, Oh, Charlie, some people are coming to look for you. 
Look at the answer. The answer of Jesus does not match with what they were asking. You see, hmm. sometimes you ask God a question, He will give you a, an answer that you are. Uh, if you sit down quietly and you think about it, you notice that He has more than answered you. God always gives you more than enough. Yes, God is the more than enough God. He gives you more than you request for. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. He gives abundantly above what you can ask. Whatever you ask or think, he does times hundred of it. That's how God is God is prodigal. God is a is a Tugumeso type of person. You know Tugumeso? <laughs> he, he's a showboy. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how God is. God is God lavishes on you. He gives you life in abundance. He lavishes on you all the time. God always lavishes on you. So anything at all you are request for, He lavishes on you. If you believe it, that's what you have. If you don't believe it, you will not get it. So I will think that God does not want to give them anything. What you believe is what you get. God lavishes. That's his, that's his, that's his, uh, his, his specialty. So he gave them an answer beyond what they were asking for. They want to come and see. Jesus said that, ah, the, uh, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I mean, how does this answer that question? Next verse. Truly, truly, or assuredly, assuredly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Ah. We are coming to see you. What has it got to do with corn and wheat? Dying, falling down, whatever. Jesus was trying to explain to them what he was going to accomplish. And what was going to happen when he accomplishes it. Jesus was saying to them that there's a day coming. This the time has now come for me to be sown into the ground. You see, Jesus' life... Jesus was, was made after the power of an endless life. Jesus had a life. The life that Jesus had, the life of God that Jesus had, was a life that could spread or could grow when it touches death. Hebrews 7, 16. Let's read from verse 15. I like this. It says, and it is yet far more evident for that the multitude, the symmetry of Melchizedek, there arises. For that after the symmetry of Melchizedek, there arises another priest. He's talking about Jesus' priesthood, and how that it is after the order of a, a priest called Melchizedek. Melchizedek means a king of peace and king of righteousness. So Jesus, who is after the order of Melchizedek, is a king of peace and a king of righteousness. His coming brings peace and brings righteousness. His coming brings peace between God and man and brings the righteousness of God to man and brings and, and confirms the righteousness of God, like establishes the righteousness of God. You see. Then he says that this Jesus, next verse, Jesus, this Jesus is made not after the law of a carnal commandment. This Jesus is not made after a, 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 a uh, the law of a carnal commandment, but is made after the power of an endless life. Okay, he, he is not like a natural, normal man. He is beyond, he had the life of God in him. And that life is an indissoluble life. The word endless, okay, endless is the, the Greek word is akata, lutos, akata, 
So it's Akatalutos Zoe. And it means indissoluble. Into what? Everything in this world can be dissolved by something. Human beings can be dissolved. Do you know you can be dissolved? You can vanish. Someone can let you vanish on the surface of the earth. You won't see a single hair. Sulfuric acid. If we put you in, sul- in sulfuric acid, H2SO4. Ah, ah. <laughs> Brother, you are gone. That's it. So some of these guys do, they do that. Put you in a, when they terminate the person, they put him into a barrel of uh, sulfuric acid. After some time, we don't see you. Even a pig can eat you up. A pig can eat everything, every part of a human, a human being. You, a human being can be dissolved by pigs. Eat everything. Bones, teeth, everything. That's how wild pigs are. Yeah. A pig can eat a child. Can eat a child. It's, they even eat their children sometimes when they are hungry. You don't, if you don't make sure they are eating, you'll be surprised. But Jesus' life, everything, metals, heavy metals can be dissolved by other things. Everything in this world is dissolvable. This earth you are sitting on is dissolvable. It's going to be dissolved one of these days. The heavens is dissolvable. It's going to be dissolved one of these days. It, it, it's going to be destroyed. But Jesus had a life that could not be destroyed. He had a life that is indissoluble by anything. So death and sin could not touch the life of Christ. The inside of Christ was untouchable. When it touched death, it rather brought more life. So Jesus' life is a life that goes through, when it goes through death, it's unscathed and untouched by death. It rather produces many lives. So when death, instead of death destroying that life, the life that he had, death rather reproduced life. I don't know if you are getting it. That's a life that Jesus had. He had an endless, he's made after an endless life. Endless life. So when, when his life touched death, instead of death terminating him, death rather repro- made him reproduce. It's, it's like what uh, the example that is given, you know, in, 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 in David and Goliath's fight. In David and Goliath's fight, when David came to fight Goliath, David did not have a sword in his hand. He came with a catapult, a sling. He took five smooth stones because he heard that Goliath had four other brothers. So he took one stone for each brother. One stone for what? Each brother. So he took his sling and he told Goliath, you are coming against me with swords and spears and all of that, but I come to, against you in the name of the Lord, whom, the Lord of hosts, whom you have defied. He didn't have a sword in his hand. You see, this is First Samuel 17, verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. He didn't have a sword. Do you know what he did? When he killed, when he threw the stone and he hit the guy and he fell, what did he do? He went, took the sword of Goliath, and used to behead him. He used his power. He used what he was using to destroy people, what he was using to kill people, to kill him. What the devil had, the sword the devil had against humanity to destroy humanity and kill humanity was death. Sin, death. Sin, the sword and the spear he had was sin, death. That was what he was using. Jesus came without any sword. No sword in his hand. No, no spear in his hand. He looked weak. He looked nothing. But he used death to destroy the one who had the power of death. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's our Jesus for you. 
Jesus used the, the sword that the devil had to destroy him. He used death to destroy death. The one who had the power of death. And when death touched him, rather life flowed out. Life flowed out. And that life of Jesus, and when you get born again, that life comes into you. So what Jesus was telling the Grecians was that, listen, there's a day coming. This is the hour that the Son of Man is going to be glorified. And when he's glorified, he's going to be glorified in this way. He's going to be like a corn of a grain of wheat that is planted into the ground. When it's planted, the outside life, when you put corn into the ground, the outer, the outer portion dies. But when it dies, the inside, the, in, the inner of the thing, the inner of the thing, rather germinates, it comes out and becomes a lot of corn. Do you get it? That's how Jesus' life is. So Jesus was using the corn to explain how his life is. That when he dies physically, rather than being terminated, new life is going to come and it's going to come plenty, 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 plenty. It's going to be, so Jesus was telling them that you don't need to, very soon you wouldn't have to come and look for me because I'm going to be in you in Greece. I'm going to be in another person in this other place in Italy, in Accra, in Agoba, in North Legon, here, different, different, I'll be in everybody. I'm going to be a corn that will reproduce, and my corn that will be reproduced into many, 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 many lives. You wouldn't have to come to a location to come and look for me. I'll be in you. And you can always talk to me. Brothers and sisters, you have become the address of God. God is pleased to dwell in you. God is happy to be inside you. Can you imagine as you if you are born again, Jesus is sitting inside you. That the whole the revelation of the, the, the New Testament is Christ in you. The mystery that was hidden before time began is Christ in you. Jesus is now in you. Jesus is now sitting inside you. You don't need to go somewhere to find Jesus. We come to church for explanation of God's word. That's why we are here. We come to church for what? Because you, you, you may not understand. You are reading the same Bible, but you may not see what I'm, what I'm telling you now. Hmm. God gives us pastors who will give us insight into God's word. Knowledge. It says, they shall feed you with knowledge. Jeremiah 3.15. And I'll give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. Do you see? So he gives you pastors who can help you. The, the greatest thing a pastor can do to you, do for you is to give you understanding of God's word, give you knowledge of God's word. That's the greatest thing he can do for you, not prayer. The greatest thing a pastor can do for you is not to pray for you. The greatest thing a pastor can do for you is to give you the knowledge of God's word, to help you understand God's word. That's the greatest thing. That's what they are said for. To bring you the care of God, to let you know how much God cares about you by caring for you. But the primary thing is to feed you. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Love as you more than all these things. If you love me, then feed my lambs. That's the greatest thing. Feeding. To be fed. To be what? To be fed. To have understanding concerning what has happened. And that's what we are doing by the grace of God. Can you just give Jesus a big shout and a big clap for that? Jesus is in me. Can you imagine that God is pleased to dwell in you? God is pleased to dwell in you. He says, I will live in them. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Look at Second Corinthians 6, 14. It says, but be, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It says, don't be, be yoked with them, with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? He calls you righteousness. He calls those who are not born again unrighteousness. And what communion has light with darkness? He calls you light. He calls them darkness. See, I'm the light of the world. Yeah, I'm the light of the world. Just imagine if you knew you were the light of the world. Yes, by you, people receive definition. You see, we will not see anything in this place is dark. Yes, we can see your face clearly and nicely because light is here. Do you see? Mm. 
Light is what gives us, is what defines. Light brings us life. Without light, there's no life. That's why we go to bed in the, in, the, in the evening. When darkness comes, sleeping is what is coming to happen. You can't have activity. The life of God, the, the, the light, because you are the light of God, you, the, there's light in you to give you activity, to help you live the way God wants you to live. Yes. Then he says, or what part has he that believeth? What, what concord has Christ with Belial? He calls you Christ. Can you imagine? He calls you Christ. Because Christ is inside you, now you can also be referred to as Christ. Because Jesus is living, he's living inside you now. So he calls you Christ. And he says, what has what conquered as Christ with Belial? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? Then the next verse says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He calls you the temple of God. Then he says, for you are the temple of the living God, not the dead God. That living God is sitting inside you. As God has said, I will. It is God's greatest will to live in you. And he's living in you now. I don't know what you're going to do with him. God is living in you. Wherever you go, you are carrying God. Do you know one of the blessings of having God in you? When the, the, the Ark of Covenant was the place where God dwelt in the Old Testament. One day, David was going for the Ark of Covenant, but he didn't carry it the right way. There's a way it must be handled. It was supposed to be, be on the shoulders of the priest. But he put it, he was so excited, he put it in a new, on a new cart, or like a new, a new Land Cruiser. He was so happy, he put it in a new Land Cruiser, brand new, Tierroba, air conditioned. And as the, car, the, the cart was moving, it got to a place where it shook. When it shook, it was going to fall. And one of the guys called Uza touched it to put it back, you know, in his place. And God, small to God, took him out. The anger of the Lord was, God was angry already. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against him and he died. And David became afraid of the Ark of Covenant. So he let, where it happened, there was a house there owned by a certain guy called Obedidom. He said, okay, put it here. Put it in the house. So they made them carry it into the guy's house. It was there for three months. The guy, all the guy's debts was paid. The guy was owing before the act came. When the act came, all his debts were, was paid. The guy opened new businesses. A lot of new things were happening. He was flourishing. He, every sickness in his house vanished. Everything, ah, all the problems he had, everything just changed. Hey. David said, hey, it means that there's nothing wrong with the act. Yeah. We were the ones, I did, I did a mistake. So he went to read and found out that it's supposed to be on the act of the shoulders of the people. And he told him, go and bring my act back to me right now. Bring back my act right now. He went to carry the presence of God back into his house. Because the presence of God, the act of God, brought prosperity, health, blessings, goodness to Obedidom. That's what the presence of God in you does for you. Yeah. It brings, so you're actually, you, you are prosperity. Wherever you go, and you bring prosperity to that place. You are the success of God. I tell you, that's how, that's how you are, that's what you have become. Yeah. You are the, you are the presence of God moving around. You are the carrier of the presence of God. You are the carrier of what? And you have to make it your business to find out what this means. And that's what I've told you. There's a classical example. Obedidom prospered. 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 Let's right center. And it was told King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom, 2 Samuel 6 12. And all that pertained unto him because of the ark of God. Have you seen it? The Lord, they knew. He knew that it was because of the ark of God, because the presence of God was down there in his house. We don't have the presence of God in a physical thing, it's now in us. Hallelujah. You have become the, <laughs> the address of God. You are God's address. See, I'm God's address. God lives inside me. And that means that I will never be poor in my life. That means I will never be sick in my life. 
Sickness has no place in my life. <laughs> Don't wait until sickness comes before you start. Declare it. Yesterday, one of, one of, our, one of our guys was telling me, young guy, he's just uh, maybe 27. He says he has been declared diabetic. They, they say he's diabetic. He was not feeling well once or so they say he's diabetic. Yes. Di- di- what, why? Diabetes? What are you doing with diabetes? What's the solution? What can kill that thing? Acknowledging what is inside you. God is him. If God is him, what is diabetes? God and diabetes cannot exist in the same body. God and diabetes cannot. I refuse it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yes. And I don't care what I'm seeing. I don't care the figures. I don't care the insulin. What I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about it. I don't care. I refuse to look at it. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? Take your time. If you realize you are saying I refuse to look at it and you still have to take your drug, take the drug. Take it. But keep saying what the word of God. Very soon the word of God will become bigger in you. The consciousness of what you have become becomes so great that the drug will vanish. I have a relative who was also diagnosed with diabetes. He was just 44. You know, one day he was going to use the washroom. When he went to use the washroom, he saw blood coming out. Then he decided to go and go to the hospital. When he went to check, the doctor said he should lie down because he was going to collapse and die. Yeah. And they put him on a shadow. Gave him drugs, put him on a shadow and all of that. One day he went to church. This is one of my relatives. He went to church. When he went to church, the pastor spoke about something like what I'm talking about. Then he decided to go and see the pastor to be prayed for. He went, the pastor prayed for him. You are healed in Jesus' name. That was it. That was it. That was it. It's not, no, it's not the pastor's word. He knew. The word that entered. Don't, you see, the pastor's word is powerful, but that is not the primary thing God wants you to function by. God wants you to function by his word. If the pastor's word is in line with God's word, then that is God's word. Are you seeing it? That was it. The thing has just vanished from his life. That's it. Yes. Now he, he decided I'm not going to. He just took it by faith. That no, this thing, I can't, I can't be doing, injecting insulin, doing this. I, I, I don't like that. I can't do that. He decided, I can't do this. Yes, that was his faith. Someone's faith is, let me do it gradually. Don't worry, it'll work. Just keep going gradually. But stay on the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stay on the word gradually. Before long, it'll be out of your life. Say, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. Yes. And the Bible says that your members are the temple. Of, your, mem- your body. Don't you know that your body is a temple? You, so your body be, is not just your spirit or your soul. Your body belongs to God. Meaning that your body is for, the, is for, is for, is for God's dwelling. Your body is God's dwelling place. And that's in uh, second, First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. He says, what, don't you know that your body... Uh, what, no, you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. Your body... Is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. So it's not only your spirit that is the temple of God. Your body, even your body, is a temple of God. Meaning that no sickness should have its abode in your body. God should not dwell in the same body with sickness and disease, which are children of sin and death. These are children of sin and death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What you should know is a fact that the premise that the devil had, you know, the devil had a premise. Yes, last week I spoke to you about it. He had a foundation to be able to accuse humanity. You see, humanity has sinned. 
Adam's sin was the sin of the whole of the whole of humanity. And because of the sin of humanity, the devil had a right. He had, he's a lawyer. Remember, I spoke about it. Do you remember? He was a cherub, an anointed cherub that checks and preserves the righteousness or the justice and the judgment of God. They are the ones who keep the throne of God. They are the ones who watch to see if justice has been met. He was one of them. So he was using the foundation of his experience with the throne of God. His experience with the throne of God was that he sinned and he was judged. The throne of God, God judged him. Sharp. He was removed. Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning. He was removed. He was judged. When he fooled around, he was judged completely. So when man also fooled around, he was saying, these people need to be judged. You judged me. Do you remember God? You judged me. Remember us now? You judged me. Because you judged me, these people must also be judged. They've also done what I did. That was, what, that was the basis he had. Then there was a law that also stated that the law, the law, the laws of Moses, when the soul has in it, it must die. So he uses the law, he uses his experience to accuse man before God. They must be judged. They must be judged. They must be judged. Now, John chapter 12, verse 31. John chapter 12, verse 31. So Jesus was talking about his death and what he was going to accomplish. Then he got to this point and said, now is the judgment of this world. Now is what? The judgment of this world. The judgment of this world has come. This is it. This is the time. Now is the judgment of this world. Now it is time to judge man for what he has done. Now is the judgment of this world. Then he says, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. When the judgment of this world happens, the prince of this world, who is the devil, will be cast out. He will be removed completely. He will lose his grounds. He will lose his grounds of accusing man. He will lose his grounds of saying that man should be, should be put to sickness. Man should have the experience of the curse. He will lose that ground. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Look at the next verse. Then it says, Jesus says, and I, and I, if I be lifted from the earth, will draw all, not all men. You see, men are in brackets. I mean, men is in brackets. It means that it was not there. It's not in the original translation. That's what it means. It's not in the original document. They put men there because they felt that is what would make it make sense. But actually, Jesus was talking about how that when he says, and if I be lifted up, when he's lifted up, when he's put on the cross, he would draw all the judgment of this world unto himself. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast down. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all what? Judgment unto me. I will draw all the judgment unto me. I will draw all the judgment of man. What is supposed to be put on man, I'm going to draw all to myself. And when I draw all to myself and I pay for the judgment of man, the prince of this world will lose his ground. He'll be cast out. Are you seeing it? Yeah. Hey, look at the next verse. It says, this spake he. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So he was talking about his death. And what his death was going to accomplish. Not to draw all men, but to draw all the judgments. Draw all the judgments. He was going to be punished for you and I. What were the judgment we deserved? He was going to take it all. And when he takes it all and pays all, the devil cannot say anything. And this, it has happened. It happened. He says, now is the judgment. Of he, it happened on that day when he was put on the cross. When he was taken from the earth. Oh, Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that you will be lifted up with him. Jesus would have afforded to come down the cross. But if he comes down the cross, it means that you stay down. 
you stay down in the, the rest of your life. He went up so that you can be, you can be lifted in life. What a blessing. You see why you must, you must worship Jesus all the days of your life? He drew all your judgment and cast out the devil so that he will not have a place. So the devil does not have any, he doesn't have any grounds. When it comes to, hey, I sinned and you judge me, he can't say that anymore because we have also been judged. How were we judged? We're judged in Christ. Jesus took all our judgment. Let me show you to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 53. Verse 8. Isaiah chapter 53 is the sufferings of Christ on the cross. What Jesus went through on the cross. Now it says, Jesus was taken from the prison and from judgment. He was taken from prison and from judgment. He was judged. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. Jesus was cut off so that you'll be accepted. One of the first things that Jesus sacrificed that's for us is that it procures a standing for us before God. Now we have access to God. Your conscience cannot talk against you anymore. You now have you now have access to God. Because the debt has been paid. The debt has what? Been paid. It's been paid. Jesus has taken all the judgment. Look at it. He says that for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. It was because of the... Let's read NLT. We don't understand what is going on. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. But his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Jesus was struck down for the rebellion, for our rebellion. He took the judgment. That's what I'm trying to let you know. He took the judgment. Now it's the judgment of this world. He, he took all the judgment. Next verse. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Is that what happened? You remember? He was put in Joseph of Arimathea's grave. So, this is a prophecy concerning what Jesus was coming to do. Several years before. Next verse. Then it says, But it was a lost good plan to crush him. It was a lost good plan to crush him. The cross of Jesus Christ is a place where the love of God paid ransom to the justice of God. Paid to the justice and the judgment of God. Everything was God. I told last week that the devil was not old. It's not the devil we owed. Charlie, that guy is nothing. Oh. Obviously, he's cast out. Can you imagine? He's not cast out. He just, he's left with nothing but deception. Next week, I'll talk about his deception. Yes. He has nothing apart from deception. Nothing. He just deceives you. Just, oh, you have done this, you have done that, you have done this, you have done that. So God, brother, sister, tell him you should go away. He and his grandmother, they should all go away. If you don't know, you allow him to accuse you, even now. You allow him to talk to you and say things to you, and then you'll be feeling like you'll be there, and then you'll be crying. <laughs> you feel that you are not worthy before God. Who told you you are not worthy before God? God says he has paid. You are worthy. Charlie, let's flow. God says let's flow. Don't allow your sin to make, become a problem between you and God. God, that's what God paid for. God paid for it so that he can flow, so that he can have a relationship with you, so that he can have intimacy with you, so that he can work with you. Yeah, this is the reason. This is the reason why God sent Jesus. He says, but it was a lost good plan because God needed to punish for sin. The wages of sin is death and death must come. Blood must come. Blood must be shed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Blood must be shed. It has to be done. So someone needs to pay for what humanity has done. Humanity needs to pay and God, God's love, God, for God's love that he gave. He gave his love was giving his son so that his son can pay 
for us. Do you see? So God at the cross, God's love paid God's justice and judgment. So that we will be have, we'll have legal grounds. He will have legal grounds to declare us not guilty. You can go scot free. We are done. We are done. So that the devil cannot accuse him. So now the devil says, hey, they are whatever. What are you talking about? But they died. They died. We died when he died. We died when he died. When Jesus died, he died. When Jesus died, we died. It's in Ephesians. It's all over in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love with which he loved us. This is the love of God. But God, who is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. This is NLT. He loved us so much. Next verse. He loved us so much that even when we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. When he raised from the dead, when he raised Christ from the dead, it is only by God's grace that you are saved. You have been saved. Have you seen it? He raised us back to life even when we were dead. He paid so that you can be brought to life. What a blessing. You were, we were in Christ when he was hanging on the cross. When he was hanging on the cross, it was us hanging on the cross. Always remember that in the Old Testament, the, the lamb, the sinner would come and lay hands on the lamb. And two things happen. Imputation and identification. These two things. Imputation means he, his sin is put into the account of the lamb. And he's identified as a lamb. So when the lamb is killed, it's as though he has been killed. He has to pay for his sin. Blood must be seen. Do you get it? Mm. So when the lamb is killed, that means that the guy has died. And because he has died, he's free. Because his sin has died. Our sin, Jesus was our sin. And he died. Because he died, we have, we have died. So we have paid for sin already. Jesus paid because he was the one who hung on the cross. We were identified with him. We were in him. Galatians what? 2.20, yes. As for me, I was crucified with Christ. Eh? This Paul talking says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self has been crucified with Christ. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, we're hanging on the cross with him. Romans 6 6. <laughs> we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Have you seen it? Our old sinful selves were what? Crucified with Christ. So when he hung on the cross, it was us hanging on the cross. Go back to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53. Oh, I'll never, I'll never go down in my life. The devil can never have a place in my life. Yeah. You can insult the devil now. Yeah, when he says something to tell you, your, your modest mother. What do you mean? What do you mean? Foolish boy, come on, get out. Yeah, he has been cast out. He has been what? Yeah. So let him know, brother. You were cast out a long time ago. Don't even call him brother, Mister. You were cast out. Ago. He cannot be your brother. Mr. Yvekasa, what, what are you talking about? When he's trying to accuse you, hey, sister, you didn't remember the abortion you did. Then you should tell him, hey, brother, you should, do you remember you were cast out? Do you remember what you also did? Remind him. Remind him. Remind him. The main thing mm, that the devil attacks in your life is your righteousness. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, verse 8. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Eh, the word King, King James, look at King James. Can you read it to me? One to go. 
Next verse. Hmm. I said what? His main word. What did I say? He attacks our righteousness. That's that's Mr. Elegant. The word adversary over there is antidicus. 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 You remember I mentioned it the last time. Antidicus. The word anti is against. Anti is what? Against. That's what it means. It also means in place of. Anti is against. Dikos is from the word righteousness. Right standing. Yes. Antidicus means also means the one who the, the the accuser who vehemently opposes the accused. It, it means that as well. But then when you take the West, if you the, it's anti and dikos. If you put that those two words together, it means against right right standing, against righteousness. His main thing is against to fight against your right standing with God. If you don't know your right standing with God, you are in trouble. He will accuse you for the rest of your life. Please, you understand? I'll tear it into pieces some more for you in two weeks' time when I'm talking about him. Never let the devil accuse you. Now you have right standing with God. You have what? Why? Because Jesus has paid. Jesus has what? What did he pay for? Your sin. He took the judgment of your sin. Paid in full. Paid in full. And I'm showing it to you. It's a main problem. That's why I've stayed on it for three weeks. If you put the three, these three messages, if you listen to it over and over, you'll be shocked at the freedom you enjoy in Christ. You'll be shocked at the fellowship, the sweet fellowship you can have with God. The intimacy you can have with God. Yes, the intimacy you can have with God. I tell you, you can have God in you so evident in your life, so manifested in your life, that all the things that has been lost will come back in an instant. Yes, it's the key Intimacy with God is the key to sickness, diseases, sin, everything banishing from your life. That's why I'm still talking about it. Okay? Go back to Isaiah chapter 53. But it was a lost good plan. It was God's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Our crushing, instead of crushing as he crashed, it was, it was God's plan to crush his son. Yes, it's good, it's good plan. He sent his son, which is his love, to pay for his justice. Someone needed to be crushed. He sent his son to crush him. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Can you see? He says that when his life, yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. What are the many descendants? You and I. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. The Lord's good plan was to, for him to be crushed so that his life can come into us. For us to continue his life. Next verse, verse 11. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, when God sees all that is accomplished by Jesus' anguish, he will be satisfied. So God is satisfied. King James, King James. He shall see of the travail of his soul 
and he shall be satisfied. God saw the travail, the panic. He saw the anguish on Jesus' face. Saw everything. It had to be confirmed. Remember, the cherubims have to see that it is paid in full. If it's not paid in full, you are not free. God had to punish him in full. He took all the judgment, all the judgment. And then after he said, the chalice it is finished. Fully paid. It's fully paid. He was, he was punished fully. Paid fully. Now you can walk into the presence of God without any... The cherubims cannot stop you. The cherubims cannot say, hey, you remember Adam sinned, the cherubims put a sword. Now they can't put a sword between us and God. Because we've been paid, it's paid already. As we are coming, we are coming as new creations. So as we are coming, that's why it says, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly, come boldly. Access is now granted. You can talk to God anywhere. 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 And you can make any requests. You can make requests for healing. You can make requests for prosperity. You can make requests for goodness. You can make, you can make requests for anything and it is allowed. And you have access. God will be unjust to say, you can't have it. Yeah, because it's been paid. God will be unjust to say now. God cannot say he can't he can't help you. God God now has to help you. Yeah. I thought you'd be happier than you are. Yeah, look at me. I'm wondering. Can you imagine that what Jesus paid for us is more than double what we owed? You remember last week I shared with you from Matthew 18 that we owed what we owed. One talent. The guy owed 10,000 talents to his master. One talent would, would take 16 years of pay, of work and working to pay without eating or drinking. You get all your pay, you pay. 16 years. That's for one talent. The guy owed 10,000 talents. So we're going to use 160,000 years to pay for your debt. 160,000 years from Adam to Moses, from Adam to Jesus Christ was 4,000 years. From Jesus Christ to now is about 2,000 years. So since humanity came into existence on earth, it's just been 6,000 years. It's not even up to 10,000 years. And you are going to need 160,000 years. How are you going to pay? Guess what? Jesus paid more than double. More than double. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 and verse 2. He tells them, comfort ye, comfort ye people. See at your God. Like, be comforted. Be happy. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. The warfare is gone. God, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them, but that the world through him might be saved. God is no more imputing trespasses. Cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. That her trespasses that her iniquity is pardoned. Your iniquity is pardoned. God sent you to come and tell you that your iniquity is pardoned. All those of you watching me on TV, God sent you to come and tell you that your iniquity is pardoned. You can have peace of mind because Jesus paid for you. Jesus paid for you. Now you can, you can relate with God without any sense of guilt or condemnation. Yeah. Yes. For she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Double payment has been made for all our sins. Double payment has been made for all of our sins. Double payment has been made for all of our sins. Double payment. I don't have Christians in the church. I think they have gone home. I think they have gone home. Are there Christians in this church? There are Christians in this church. I'm telling you that double payment has been made for all your sins. All your sins. Jesus has taken all the judgments. All the judgments. 
Now you are free to relate with God. I can ask for anything. Yeah. It's the foundation of making requests. Now you can ask for You have a right. You have a right. Even the cherubims cannot accuse you. You can, They cannot say, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. There's not even one single... Everything has been paid. More than paid. More than paid. More than paid. More than paid. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a shout. What a blessing. It's so nice. All over in the scriptures. Jesus paid. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus came as the offering for sin. You remember, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In 1 John chapter, chapter 2, verse 2. Let's read from verse 1. 1 John 2, 1. It's so nice what you say. I just want to show you what Jesus did. So nice. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. Then he says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a lawyer with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Then he says, and he, Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation Okay, it's offering for sin. He's an offering for sin. For your atonement. For sin to be removed. He's an offering for sin. For sin's removal. The Greek word is helasmos. H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. Helasmos. He, he atone, he's the offering. And it's the same word that is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Why I mentioned when I was beginning, if you remember. Look at it, 1 John 4, 10. Here in his love, not here is here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. He sent his son to be the offering for sin. So Jesus was the offering for sin. John the Baptist said, The Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the offering for sin. And when he died, he took his own blood. He rose again as a high priest. That's in Isaiah, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. So Jesus is in the Old Testament, you needed a sin offering, you needed a high priest, and you needed the mercy seat. These three things. In order for someone to be declared not guilty, or someone's sin to be forgiven. For one year. Jesus came as an offering for sin. He died, took his own blood, resurrected as the high priest. And took his own blood. And went to the heavenly holy of holies. And put it on the mercy seat. He's the mercy seat. And, and declared not guilty. That's why the Bible says that who is he that condemned? Who can condemn you? Who can condemn? That's in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. What shall we send then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? God is for you now. Who can be against you? Is it the devil? The devil cannot be against you. Is it the law? The law can be against you. Is it your conscience? Your conscience can be against you. Next verse. He that spared not his own son, he spared not his own son. How shall he but deliver him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now you have access to all things. Do you believe it or you don't believe it? I believe it. Believe it. So you're a Christian. A believer is a believer. You believe things. Believe it. Next verse. Then it says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justified. It is God that made us right with him. It is God's own work. All the things I've done. It's God's work. Man is nowhere. The devil is nowhere. He came as the offering for sin, died, took his blood, and he became the high priest. Eh? It says, it is God that justified. Next verse, next verse, verse 34. Who is he that condemned? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again. He rose again with the blood. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? He rose again as high priest. I don't know if it was here I was sharing or somewhere else. Mary, when Mary saw him in the garden, eh, when Mary saw Jesus in the garden, Jesus told her, don't touch me. He said, don't touch me. Go and tell my, 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 my disciples that I rise to 
my father unto their father, my God unto their God. He was now ascending, and the high priest's dressing and the dressing of a gardener are the same. So Mary mistook Jesus as a, as a gardener. He thought he was a gardener. Then Jesus mentioned the name Mary. Then she realized that, ah, it's, it's the Lord. And she was coming to touch him. Then Jesus said, don't touch me. I have not, I'm now about to ascend. He was now going to the heavenly holy of holies. Eh? Jesus said unto John 20, verse 17. Touch me not, touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Have you seen it? He was ascending as high priest with his blood into the heavenly holy of holies to present his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. That's what is written in Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 16 and 17. Look at Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. Wherefore, in all things, this in all things, it behoved, let's your NLT, behoved, you don't understand. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. He became high priest who could offer sin for to take away the sins of all the people. The King James says, go to King James. He says he could make, he will make reconciliation. Eh? Verse 17 says, Wherefore in all things he behoved him to be like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The word reconciliation, I, I think it's the first one was in last month, remember? That's an offering for sin. In order for the lamb that becomes a sin, the sin, the sin offering. The other word is Hilaskomai, H-I-L-A-S-K-O-M-A-I. That is high priest who offers the one who can offer. It's not everybody who could be high priest. It's not everybody who could be high priest. Jesus rose from the dead as a high priest to go and make reconciliation, to do the work of atonement. To go to heaven. No, you, where would you find the heavenly holy of holies? You can't go there. Brandon. What do you think? Yes. He rose as a high priest and went to the heavenly holy of holies and did the work of expiation or the work of atonement, atonement rather, the work of atonement. He put his blood on the mercy seat because he is the mercy seat. Jesus is the mercy seat. Can you imagine? That's in Romans chapter, chapter 3, verse 25. He says, Okay, let's read from 24 so I can understand it. It's like saying, it's being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Have you seen it? It says God has set Jesus to be what? The word propitiation here is helasterion. H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Helasterion. H-I-L-A-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. I-O-N. Helasterion. And it means mercy seat. The place where God declares not guilty. The, that's the, the little, the mercy seat where, the mercy seat where the, the, that covered the ark, where God sat, where the two cherubims were. That, that's mercy seat. Jesus is that mercy seat. That's where God sits. The mercy seat is the place where God sits. So he's the place where God sits to declare not guilty. He's the offering He's the high priest, and he's the one who sits to declare not guilty. So he took his own blood 
he died, took his own blood, went, sat down, presented himself, and said, you are not good. I don't know. That's why he says, who is he? It is God that justified. God did everything. God, tell me about God did everything. God paid everything. So I don't know why you are sad. I don't know why you are thinking that God is against you and that God doesn't like you. God is fighting you. Look at all the things that God has done for you. So that he can have relationship with you. So that he can have relationship with you. You are special. Though. You, should, you should have a higher estimation of yourself. You are special. Jesus, you are worth as much as Jesus' blood. That's how expensive you are. That's how expensive you are. The price, the price of our head was Jesus himself. Was God's blood. The blood of bulls and goats could not be enough. It couldn't work. Jesus' blood was what was good for you. You are special. He says, if God did this for you, if God did not spare his son, if he did not spare his son, shall he not with his son also freely give you all things? If the highest has been given, if the greatest has been given, if Jesus has been given for you, if God has given Jesus for you, why do you think you need a big man to sponsor you? In this life. Why do you think you need to carry drugs? Why? You're a child of God. You're a child of God. The greatest has been paid. If the greatest has been paid, what else? God is taking care of you. God paid a hefty sum for you. Is it your school fees that he cannot pay? Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He delivered him up for us all. That's his love. God loves you so much, you pay your school fees. What you need to do is to trust him. Just trust him. Remember that he paid. Ah, God, you paid. You paid, you paid for my sin that I couldn't do anything about. Is it my school fees that you cannot pay? You pay. Is it my contract that I, I cannot get? You paid with your blood for me. Contract. Contract. Hundred million dollar contract. I can't get. The Lord has done it. This is a source of real faith. This is what brings you real faith. He that faith is spared not a son, how shall he not with him freely give, also freely give you all things. All things. All things. All things are mine. All things are mine. If you give Jesus, is it sickness that is in your body that he can't take away? Actually, he took the sickness away on the cross. I'll never be sick in my life. Cancer cannot dwell in my body. Laugh at cancer when you, when, you, when you see it around you. Laugh at it. Laugh at it. Laugh at it. Laugh at it. I tell you. Laugh at it. Jesus did so much. Tell me about Jesus did so much. Did so much. All that I've described is redemption. Jesus pain. You see. Hebrews chapter, chapter, um, chapter 3, verse 30, verse 24. Hey, did I say Hebrews 3? Romans 3, 24. Romans 3, 24. Look at this. It says that being justified freely, the word justified is declared righteous. Please, can you understand what I'm saying? Yes. We are now declared righteous freely by the grace, by his grace. It is God's grace. It's God's work. Grace is God's, God at work. 
Grace is unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Blessings. Goodness. Coming to you. He says, being declared righteous. Freely. 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 How? Because of his grace. His love for you and I. But it was done. Even though God has declared us freely, it was done at the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay? Being justified freely by his grace. Through were declared not guilty through that someone needed to pay. Even though we've been declared free, someone paid. He couldn't have declared us free unless the payment was made. And I've told you that Jesus paid. The word redemption is to repossess at a cost. To repossess what you lost at a cost. Okay? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rise up upon your feet and let's bring it to service Sunday. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.